0: Hello baseball fans and welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, the podcast we talk about baseball 365 days a year. Unless it's a leap year, then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012. It's now the 22nd day of March 2017. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this from a Sully Baseball studio in Palo Alto, California. The birthplace of Oakland A's manager, Bob Melvin. And just down the 101 from AT&T Park the home of the San Francisco Giants. Hey, um, let's just take care of a couple of business things uh, I've done as we are approaching the end of this being a daily podcast, which will happen on opening day. I've been posting my on the Twitter feed at Sully Baseball the surveys to see whether I should do it on Wednesday or Thursday. Uh, Wednesday seems to be in the lead. Uh, I'm actually leaning towards Thursday for this reason, which is actually, uh, it's more of a logistical reason for your pal Sully more than anything else. But, uh, you know, I produce another podcast. I produce the podcast Real Crime Profile. I'm not on the podcast, although I am going to be on an episode coming up. But it's for the Wondery Wondery Network, easy for you to say, and I'm the producer of it and I edit it and it follows, it's a Follows well, Real Crime, and I've posted, uh, you know, I've plugged it on the feed before. But those go up on Wednesday. And it dawned on me is that if I had all my energy on Sully Baseball going up on Wednesday and Real Crime Profile, I could do one of two things have one day where I'm just overwhelmed by podcasts a week, or maybe drop the other one on Thursday. So I'm personally leaning towards Sully Baseball, the weekly version, to drop on Thursday. And for another reason, a lot of times there's not as many games on Thursday. If there's ever an off day or a getaway day, there are, there are fewer games that are played on Thursday. So I, I was toying with that. Uh, I also, I didn't want it to be Monday for this reason. Um, I didn't want to have the big to-do of the final daily podcast being on Sunday, and then suddenly have another episode the next day after. It's sort of like, well, kind of it, to paraphrase Robert De Niro in Raging Bull, uh, it defeats its own purpose. So, uh, I'm leaning towards Thursday, but you know what? Uh, I can be convinced otherwise. So, that's coming up. And by the way, thanks for the people who have posted uh, iTunes reviews. Uh, I got a good one from uh, Michael uh, Galazzo who goes by Goomba Mike on the, uh, uh, on uh, what's it called, on the, the Twitter. Uh, I also got one from uh, Stone Johnson. Is this also you, Michael? I can't tell. I really can't tell. Um, Listening every day for a year now. I really didn't like baseball. I was looking for a daily update via podcast on scores and fantasy baseball, which isn't my forte. That's right. I'm not a fantasy baseball guy. Um, because I joined Fantasy League to get closer to my stepson. You and I don't share religious or political views. Sometimes you even make me mad. However, I can't wait for the next episode. It's like listening to a friend who doesn't even know you exist. You made me like baseball. I appreciate that. It was a great year. I wish I would start listening sooner. Thank you and continue to listen to whatever you post. You do a great job. Hey, I really love that post because it's, you know, I don't expect everyone to agree with me politically. And I try not to get into politics too much here because I want it to be a respite. There are times it does intersect because that's the nature of reality. But, you know, whether you're liberal or conservative or libertarian or progressive or, you know, communist or, I'd rather not have Nazis listen to this. I'd rather not have communists listening to this. But you know what, if you listen, you jump in the River Sully, as long as we're all enjoying baseball, you know, I'll try to keep this to be a safe place. And you know, in terms of religion, I, you know, I've made it clear what my thoughts are, but again, I, I, in the movie I'll Believe You that I directed and co-wrote, there is a line that the main character says, which comes right out of my brain, which is, there's no right or wrong to belief. You can believe whatever you want. There is a right or wrong to facts. You can't have your own facts, but you can have your own beliefs. And I I never object to anyone who has a belief system. You know, provided that belief system isn't harming other people, then there's no quarrel. We may not agree on what we believe in, but, you know, this is open. It's all open. It's about baseball. And I love that. I really did. I I really appreciated that... uh, review. One that I thought was interesting because it was not a positive review I got, and I always dig getting non-positive reviews. This was from uh, Zeus 2521. More politics than baseball. Really? The title says it all. The last two weeks I've heard more about politics and Berkeley than anything about baseball. Well, I did a couple things about Berkeley because I was in Berkeley. But I wasn't talking about, you know, Burning draft cards or anything like that. I happen to be there. I happened to talk to students, and I and I you know I'm going to go out on a limb here. I said over the last few weeks, I have talked a little bit about baseball in this podcast, but Sully, you're not going to please everyone, and that's the nature of the podcast. It's the nature of being. So, hey, thanks for everyone, and and please continue writing the the iTunes reviews. They do help, and. As I st- start to piece together the new uh, the new format of the podcast, I'm doing everything in my power to make sure you don't have to change RSS feeds, or you don't have to. You can continue just subscribing. Um, I may post the past episodes on YouTube. You know, at one point I was considering posting a rerun every single day, so I'm still posting 365. But one of the main reasons I'm doing this is that I'm trying to. I'm trying to see if maybe consolidating my listeners will help, you know, make this be the thing your pal Sully does. Not just, you know, for the love of it, but, you know, for all that cash. I'm in it for the money. Granted, I've made none so far, but I'm in it for the money. I'm greedy. I'm just not very smart with my greed. Hey, I want to talk about something because I was thinking about this the other day when you have teams that go from like worst to first and you have teams that had were terrible one year and really good the next you can sometimes have instances where a team is picking in the draft and they have an opportunity to get one of the elite players the elite amateur players while the team they, while you know while they're very good you know while the team is really good And still get one of the best players in the draft. And I was thinking about two instances where you had what I'll call the Darko Milicic of baseball. I really think back that there are two colossal swings and misses for teams that could have inserted a great player into a great situation, and whiff with Farino. Now, for those of you who don't know who Darko Milicic is, I'm sure if you listen to a podcast like this, you have an idea. But if you don't, um, it refer to that year in the NBA draft, I believe it was 2004, when uh, LeBron James was available. And he was the number one pick overall. And everyone knew he was going to be a star. But by strange circumstance and a terrible trade by Atlanta, the number two pick in the draft, belonged to the Detroit Pistons. And the Detroit Pistons were already an elite team, already a big-time playoff team. And by a terrible trade by Atlanta, they had the number two pick. Now, we all knew Cleveland was going to take LeBron James, and they did. Womp. But with the number two pick, there were players like Carmelo Anthony, Chris Bosh, Dwayne Wade, all these future superstars. And some people we looked at as, man, they they're, they're can't miss superstars out there. And you had a team that was already in an elite squad, already an elite team, had a chance to put a superstar, a budding superstar, into the mix. Uh, an already elite team could have put Dwayne Wade or Carmelo Anthony or Chris Bosh right into it. And you would have had a team of... You know, good solid veterans, Larry Brown is the coach, and you would have had a real interesting possibility of a young star bursting onto the scene and, you know, winning titles like right out of the gate. And instead, they picked Darko Milicic, an Eastern European player. I don't remember what country he was from. In the end, it doesn't matter because he didn't amount to anything. And he was a colossal bust. Now, He was on a championship team because the Pistons went on to win the championship in his first year. But he was just a come off the bench. They called him the human victory cigar because he only played when there was a blowout. And while you can't, the short game, it didn't really affect the Pistons because they went on to go to the NBA Finals in back-to-back years, winning one of them with Darko Milicic there. He had the opportunity of having a star a star winning a title right out of the gate like Magic Johnson did and develop and become the big star of Detroit and do it at a high profile and everything. And it kind of sucks that it didn't happen. Now, there are two specific instances in baseball that I can think of where a team that was really, you know, solid because, you know, because they had one of those worst of first seasons, they had a chance to have a pennant winner and an elite player coming into the draft. Granted, the baseball draft is a lot different from the NBA draft because the NBA draft, you know, there's about three or four players right at the top. That's why there's a damn lottery who are going to be. You look at OK, that's a potential star. That's a potential star. In some drafts, it's four or five players. In some drafts, it's only one or two. In that particular draft, there was three or four players who you looked at and said, okay, that's a potential star, that's a potential star. And Darko Milicic was not one of them. In baseball, it's, I don't want to say it's a crapshoot because that seems like a cop-out. But it's, it is less predictable. If you draft a high school player, they could grow up to be Ken Griffey Jr., or they can grow up to be Joe Bag of Donuts. You can get a college player who dominates in college, but falls short in the major leagues. You could have a pitcher who's just blowing everyone away, but then blows their arm out. You could have a hitter who is great with an aluminum bat against high school competition, but can't quite make it. So, I mean, there are instances where you have top picks flop. But in these two instances I'm talking about, I was really thinking about this the other day. I guess it's because Tim Beckham came up um, because he has a chance to earn a starting job with the Tampa Bay Rays. And it's about damn time. Now, the Tampa Bay Rays, or the Devil Rays, whichever way they'd be, have had some success with early draft picks. You know, with You know, they drafted, you know, B.J. Upton, and David Price, and Evan Longoria. These are all players who helped contribute winning the pennant. They had the number one pick overall with Josh Hamilton, which turned out to be a bust in Tampa Bay because his addiction issues derailed his career. But, of course, he found new life with the Texas Rangers, with Cincinnati first and then the Texas Rangers. So there's a little bit of... If only that move had moved, you know, that Josh Hamilton had worked out better for Tampa Bay. But the specific pick I'm thinking about happened in the 2008 draft. The Rays had the number one pick overall. And they were in first place at the time. That was the year they went on to go to the World Series. They got to within three wins of being the world champions that year and they had the number one pick overall because from their first year in 1997, right through 2007, they sucked every year. Every year they were terrible. And every year they looked like a hopeless cause. Changed their name to the Rays, they went to the World Series. But because they were so terrible the year before, they had the number one pick in the draft and they were in first place at the time of the draft. And there was a sense of, hey, this is a unique situation. You could have a team that was in first place and went on to win the pennant have dibs on whatever player is out there. Now, of course, there's complications that teams, you know, draft pool money and a player has already committed to go to college. You know, all these things can happen. And 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 the, the players who go to, you know, committed to college can cause someone to drop down in the draft. That is why the A's were able to draft Todd Van Poppel in 1989. And everyone's like, oh, it's not fair, it's not fair. The world champion, or in 1990 they drafted him. It's not fair, the world champion A's get the next great pitching prospect in Todd Van Poppel, but he turned out to be an absolute bust. But I'm not including that because that was just kind of a fluky thing. This was a team that had the number one pick overall and went on to win the pennant that year. And the Rays picked Tim Beckham. You can argue that not only was Tim Beckham not the best player picked in that draft, he wasn't even the best infielder named Beckham picked in the top ten. The Rays drafted Beckham, a shortstop out of um, where the hell was he? He was a high school player and, you know, so, you know obviously super talented player. Um, where the hell was he from? I'm, gotta, I'm at BaseballReference.com, single greatest website in history of Planet Earth. Okay, from Griffin, t- uh, Georgia. And he was the number one overall. Second overall was Pedro Alvarez, who has had his ups and had his downs, but certainly would have provided some power with Tampa Bay. You also had Eric Hosmer was number three, who's turned into a fine player with Kansas City. Brian Madditz, who is that how you pronounce his name? Someone tell me how to pronounce his damn name. Doesn't matter, because number five was Buster Posey. Buster M. Effing Posey. That's right. If the Rays had played their cards right, Look at Pedro Alvarez in Tropicana Field would have hit a crap load of home runs. And who knows where he, he could have fit in at first base or anything like that. Buster Posey. You know, when the Rays throughout their good solid stretch when they went to the postseason in 2008, 2010, 2011, 2013, their strength always seemed to be They always had good pitchers. Even when pitchers left, they seemed to always have some. They always had good arms. Could you imagine Buster Posey, his, you know, the 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 catcher of this generation, in Tampa Bay at that time? Instead, you had Tim Beckham. Tim Beckham uh, did not play in any of the postseason years. He only played five games in 2013, which is the last postseason year for Tampa Bay. Played 82 games in 2015, 64 games last year. Um, he He did not play well his first year. Last year in his 64 games was the definition of mediocrity as a hitter. He played, you know, a little little bit of short, a little bit, a little bit all over the infield, and he's gonna be 27 years old this year, and is gonna be given a chance to play every day, but mainly just out of, I don't know, attrition. It just it, you you'll take a look, it said that was a that was a huge moment of wifferino for Tampa Bay to get an elite player onto a team that was already transforming itself into an elite team. Now, the other one, which is just, you know, just completely maddening, is what happened in 1991. Now, you may not remember this. Uh, In 1991, this has got to be one of the strangest drafts in the history of baseball. But the The World Series in 1991 was played between the Braves and the Twins. Both teams were last place teams the year before. And the Braves and the Twins picked two and three in the draft. So the teams that went to the World Series that year were two and three in the draft. They should have both had a chance to insert a superstar into a team that was already heading to the World Series. Now, the number one pick overall went to the worst team in baseball from 1990, drum roll, roll, that was the New York Yankees. They drafted Brian Taylor, who broke his arm or injured his arm in a bar fight, never saw the major leagues. Now, if you had told me in 1991 that the Yankees were going to go on a great streak where they won the World Series in 1996, 1998, 1999, 2000, a pennant in 2001, and a pennant in 2003, I would have assumed Brian Taylor would have won three Cy Young Awards along the way. Instead, he's tied with me in every single major league category. But the Braves and the Twins went to the World Series. By the way, the Cardinals went number four in the pick in the draft. And who did the Braves pick? Mike Kelly. Mike Kelly, an outfielder out of Arizona State, was looked upon as a you know an all great all around player. They were going to plug this great all around player right into the mix, and he, you know, he amounted to gotch. You know, he played 97 games for the World Champion Braves in 1995. His OPS was 574. He batted 190. He was a non-factor, and ultimately was dumped to the Cincinnati Reds in the trade that brought over Ray King. This is a guy. He he was the he was the prize of the draft and was going to be looked upon as a great star in Atlanta. And, and the Twins drafted Dave McCarty, who I'll give, you know, who I remember because he was a member of the Boston Red Sox when they won the World Series in 2004. And he wound up pitching three games pretty effectively as a mop-up man. He was mainly a first baseman who was supposed to be a great big power hitter. And he played a little with the Twins. He played a little with the Giants and the Mariners. He got kicked around and ultimately played ninety-one games with the Red Sox, and was you know did a nice fill-in job for a little bit. It was not on the uh, playoff roster, but he played ninety-one games. He's a World Champion Red Sox. There you go. Thanks, Dave McCarty. But who else was in that draft? Manny Ramirez was in that draft. Imagine Manny Ramirez in Minnesota, plot him in with with Herbeck and, and Kirby Puckett or having him aim for that left field wall there or Manny Ramirez in the outfield in Atlanta during the Bobby Cox years. You also had Sean Green was drafted in that draft, Cliff Floyd, Aaron Seeley, who, you know, was not a superstar but had a nice career. You know, a lot of people like Sean Estes and Doug Glanville, people who had good, solid careers, not superstars, but, hell, would have amounted more to Mike Kelly and, you know, Dave McCarty. Now, of course, it's all 2020 hindsight. Of course I know that, you know, it, sometimes there's there are elements that are beyond the control of even the player. If you look up and you say, do you want when the right situation, the right coach, the right opportunity came up? Maybe McCarty would have been a star. Maybe Mike Kelly would have been a star. Maybe Tim Beckham would have been a star. Who knows? It just the equation of the life of those people, you know, it's not always fair. And it doesn't always add up the way you want it to. Just ask Darko Milicic. Maybe if he was drafted by the Pacers or the Clippers, he may have had a great career. Who the hell knows? It's just something I was thinking about when I saw Tim Beckham's name, and I thought, man, the Braves could have had something great with a number one overall pick. The Braves could have had something great. Granted, they won a World Series and everything, but they could have had another superstar in their ranks. Well, all I got to say to that is the teams did okay despite the swing and the miss. It just would have been cool to see a great player plugged into an elite team. Kind of like it would have been cool to see Wade or Anthony on that piston squad. I'm just saying. I hope someone doesn't say, yeah, it's more basketball than baseball these days. I can't please everyone. But what I can do is tell you to go to sullybaseball.com like me on facebook so i an itunes soundcloud youtube twitter stitcher instagram of everywhere the music is by ted thacker and patrick kaliski counting down to the final daily podcast this has been the sully baseball daily podcast for the 22nd day of march 2017 i'm yours paul francis sullivan pick me first overall and you can call me sully